You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Tarot Talk. I'm your host, Holly Ramey, and I'm super excited to be sitting down today with my friend, Heather Sanderson. Heather is a healer. She's a Reiki master. She's an herbalist. She's a yoga teacher. She's a writer. She does really magical workshops around dream work and yoga nidra. She writes books and poems. She's a magical witch. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. So let's start by um, just telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and kind of how you, yeah, start there. <laughs> start there? Okay. I, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well. I, know, I was right? listening. I was like, wow, there, those are lots of things. Um, yeah, I, I teach yoga now I'm doing a lot of virtual classes because of our current world situation mm-hmm. and focusing more on my writing and getting some more videos out into the world and things like that, but all around healing. And my interests are mostly in psychological and spiritual realms, mm-hmm. that kind of focus of healing, uh, working with the physical body to do so. So teaching yoga, Reiki, uh, all those things that help to integrate these worlds yeah. and then moving a lot in the dream. Yeah, which I love and we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, you, just like me and many other witches, had you know your muggle life, your corporate job, um, which was in publishing. And now you're actually self-publishing your own work, which is so cool. Um, and I was just wondering, like, how did you transition from that into full, you know, magical practices? Um, Were there any cues that kind of led you down that path of, you know, spirituality and holistic healing? Um, Yeah. What did that, what did that transition look like for you? Yeah. Good question. I, I think as a kid, I was a magical being Mm -hmm. and everything came quite naturally to me. I've had memories of being able to see spirits and elemental beings on our land and playing with them. When I grew up, I had like 25 imaginary friends Mm. at least. And so probably not all that imaginary. And then fast forward through school and fortunate enough to go to university and do all the things and working in a corporate environment for about 13, 14 years, something like that. Midtown Manhattan, all of the, you know, senior management doing that kind of world. And at that time, I also had a personal traumatic event happen. So I was seeking healing and launched into more and more of a yoga practice uh, for myself. I'd been practicing since about 2005, one time a week, never more than that. I was like, I'm done. My yoga quote is done. And then yoga started picking up a bit more when I needed more healing. Mm-hmm. So I followed that. And one day out of the blue, as things tend to happen, an email appeared in my inbox. And it was for a healer and yoga teacher training. And I was like, healer? What, like, 
you mean I can actually be that and do that? I've always wanted to be and do that, but no one tells you when you're a kid, you can be a witch when you grow up, (laughs) at least not in my world or my circles. So this was my first taste of that. And it was around 2012. So Mm -hmm. I've been practicing yoga-ish for like seven years by then and was not interested in being a teacher. That word healer really grabbed me and I just signed up and started a year-long training. And that was really my first foothold into these worlds and combining different things of physical, 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 spiritual, and psychological. Hmm. And so from there, I just kept breaking up with things like my job. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly, right? We just like start purging it all. <laughs> we met in India on a yoga retreat and, um, we just spoke over breakfast and became fast friends. And I remember that you were really my first introduction to herbalism. And you united me with two allies, Nettles and Oatstraw, and like taught me how to make an infusion. <laughs> my favorite. I totally remember that breakfast. And oh yes. <laughs> um, and so right away I just considered you like a magical herbal witch who knew like all the things about plants um and those infusions remained like such a strong ally for me for many many years so you were already working with plants then when we met Mm -hmm. Um, did that come as like a natural progression after starting to teach yoga um when did you start getting interested in the plants and becoming an herbalist It did. It came through that healer training, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a woman on the course who I described to her my dream visions of being this witch in the woods with all the plants hanging down from your rafters. And I'd always seen that image for my whole life, but again, discounted it. It's like something you can't be. Mm -hmm. And this one person was like, no, no, you can can study that. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? And so she gave me information about a program in Brooklyn at a place called Third Root. And that was my first introduction to studying plants. And we met every week, every Thursday, for about three months in the basement and learned all of the information and constituents and systems of the body. And it was a really solid foundation uh, that I then grew more upon. But yeah. when I met you, that was where I got the nettles and the oat straw from. Was the, they were the first plants we met in that training. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> You're so powerful. So that was my introduction. And then you went on to do this epic training where you traveled to Europe. You traveled to You traveled to a bunch of different places, right? And you did these like, really intense plant journeys I did (laughs) what was that about good question (laughs) um yeah that took me by surprise that was none of this was a plan yeah um none of this was a plan even though it was something I my heart wanted and what took me to this other training it was a three-year apprenticeship Mm. in sacred plant medicine and it was in Ireland so my teacher's in Ireland. Hmm. Uh, I happened to meet her at another plant 
initiation uh, in Italy. And that was my first key to meeting her. And even then it was this, (laughs) this crazy looking website for a, initiation with dandelion it was a plant diet at this place called dom and her a spiritual community in the alps and i was like what is this i was like i this is i'm pretty open and this feels a bit out there like even for me yeah and as is a pattern you might notice i just i went anyway and (laughs) really got to experience a four-day ceremony with dandelion and knew I wanted to work with that teacher mm-hmm. after that point. So applied for her apprenticeship. Uh, she's also a Celtic priestess. Her name's Carol Guyette. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard the word priestess, I was like, that rung bells in every part of me. Every cell was like, yes, that. And knew I had to work with her. So started traveling back and forth about four times a year to Ireland. Very fortunate, very lucky. Uh, at the same time, my job restructured and I got a nice package to leave work so that helped support what I was doing mm-hmm. so everything kind of lined up last day of work was the day before I flew out so cool and you have um a lineage in that tradition correct an ancestral lineage like oh me yes yeah, yeah you <laughs> I thought for a minute like a lineage held within her teachings which is true Mm -hmm. there is some um but yes I was tied to personally the Celtic or drawn to the Celtic teachings and the gods and goddesses of that land and my ancestry is English Irish Scottish it's very very Gaelic and Celtic yeah So it felt like getting back to my roots. Yeah, totally. Which is so powerful within itself. Definitely. Be on that land, I'm sure. Totally. It's a magical place, Ireland. Magical, magical place. Um, I was just going to start talking about Outlander, but I'll I'll (laughs) share those details. (laughs) Look it up. It's on Netflix. Um, so did you have like, uh, well, I guess I want to start talking about the dream work that you do. And I've done several dream work workshops with you. Um, and you also teach a lot of yoga nidra, which nidra is sleep, yoga sleep. And, um, both of these practices are really based around going into the unconscious and subconscious mind. Um, and really just digging shit up in there. <laughs> it's so <laughs> powerful. Um, what, what really drew you to this specific type of work? Like, do you, have you always had really intense dreams? Um, is that just something that like you've always kind of done naturally or? I have always had intense dreams and visions or things that, haven't happened yet and I'll see them sometimes in a sleeping dream and that sparked a curiosity I used to buy dream dictionaries as a child and like like pretty young like able to read and I was buying dream dictionaries 
And I've since thrown those out the window because to me, it's all about your own experience now. And ask you about that. Like, like, look up this symbol and what does it mean if your teeth fall out in a dream? (laughs) Totally. And there's value in what's been shared by other people. Now through what I've experienced and learned, it's really all about what you see in your dream. And other people can help you, they can help reflect back what is there. So you might have more insight than you can see for yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's what I really like about dream work is you or me, we can go into a dream in any of these different forms. So whether it's yoga nidra, meditation, sleeping dream, a shamanic journey with a drum, with a an ally or a plant or there's so many access points Mm. and go in there look around receive information often if you're traveling in a journey you might have an intention so that you know why you're going there Mm -hmm. Um, you can even do the same with a dream at night but get the information bring it back Mm-hmm. into this world. So what I really like and what's drawn me to this work in all of these different ways is that bridging between this place that seems invisible or like it might not even be real and bringing tangible actions or information or dreams or wishes that you want to make in your real life and finding clues to plant seeds in the physical world. The strengthening that connection between the two. Mm. I love that. And it's so interesting because like I had dreams for a long time and thought that they were about like exactly what they were about, right? Like the characters I recognized and like I would have recurring dreams where I saw like my partner and there would be like this thing they were doing that sucked and I would be upset about (laughs) it when I woke up and I always took them very literally, you know, like, oh, this must be about my mistrust in this person or this must be, you know, sometimes I would think it would be a premonition of like bad things are going to happen. And then when I started doing dream work and like using some of the techniques, it was like, the whole meaning of the dream shifted. And while it often did represent some shadow energies, they were usually things that like existed within myself. Like that person would represent a younger part of me or a part of me that I didn't have access to. Um, And so I feel like dream work has been so powerful to understanding that, um, the things in our dreams, even, even like the place that we're in is like, it's a, it's symbolic of something that like exists internally, like within us. Um, and then just acknowledging that is like this door opening this like gateway into healing it. Cause like now we're aware of it. And so we can. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> How did you first start to piece that together so for me like it I couldn't figure that out on my own like I had to work my therapist actually does gestalt therapy and they they have a form of dream work that they work with um how did that come together for you did that come naturally or did you have like someone to help you 
I've done a few trainings in different ways. Mm-hmm. And the first one was an online course uh, through Wise Woman University, which mm-hmm. is Susan Weed's uh, online offering. And it was this teacher named Doug Grunther. And he started the course with this line that says, all dreams come in the spirit of healing. Mm. And that was my first indication to what you're speaking about. Like, so we can go into these other places, into our subconscious, unconscious, learn something, see it. Even dreams that are, seem, seem to be scary or nightmares, those sort of words. So they're bringing up something that wants you to see it. Mm-hmm. And that got me more interested because it's another lens to look through and see what's coming up and what is maybe crying out for attention or healing. And if it's repeating, maybe it really, really wants attention. And eventually it will make its way up to the surface in some way. Mm -hmm. And if we can look at it, whatever it is, that aspect of ourself that the dream is showing, sometimes metaphorically, sometimes even in a joking way or like a pun, uh, you might not connect it dot for dot. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why it's helpful to have someone else, like a therapist or a friend to be like, hmm, wait, maybe that might mean this. And you can be like, whoa, that totally does mean that. I never saw that. So yoga nidra is like a yoga sleep. And that was, we shared the same yoga nidra teacher, right? Mona? We did. And Mona. Yeah. And that's who we went to India with. Right. And, um, she taught all different forms of yoga nidra. And really this is an exploration of like moving into the unconscious, but while conscious. So you don't actually fall asleep. So can you tell us a little bit about that and like how it works? And like, you really are amazing at like writing out and, um, teaching these yoga nidras and like really going on an epic journey with them. So how did that come to you? Mona is a wonderful teacher. And I I think because I am a writer and a storyteller, that's why this practice really resonated for me early on. Um, One of the first things that I taught in my healer yoga teacher training way, way back was a very short guided Shavasana. And I could see the energy of the person shifting and changing and lying down and relaxing. And that's what made me want to teach. It's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So when I met Mona and she taught in a way that was about being with the energy and whatever's happening in the room and not scripting anything. And I liked that because it helped me access those sort of psychic visions in a way that I could then articulate them out to a group. And you're right, go on a journey. So Mm -hmm. go somewhere, find something, find a secret message or a clue or your deepest desire or what you need for support, but always around some arc of going through a door into some other world Mm -hmm. and then coming back. And hopefully bringing that awareness, that little bit of insight, even if you don't remember it back. And to do that, getting into that in-between space of being awake and asleep 
And that sounds kind of like, what are you talking about? How is that even possible? Um, it's with practice of getting into these different vibrations and brain waves. So with time and with these techniques that every yoga nidra teacher will have, you come to this place where the brain starts to pretend that it's going to sleep and it's getting into the more slow rhythms of brain waves. And you've consciously told yourself to stay present and awake. You might fall asleep when you start practicing. Yeah. As we all probably did. But in time and practice, there's this in-between spot that you can be present in both worlds. And it's a place where you can then go in and find out more about yourself, more about what you want to do or bring or what needs healing. So <laughs> this liminal space <laughs> between sleeping and awake, it's so interesting to be able to hang out there for long periods of time. And like when you've taught them, first of all, the fact that that's not scripted is so impressive because like you do these like 45 minute yoga nidras that are like super intense and like for the listeners who have never done this, like it's very important that you maintain a certain like cadence and a certain like, like level of voice tone so that you keep the students engaged and with you. Like I've, I've taught a few of these myself and it's like no easy feats to stay on point with where you're going. And especially in the beginning when you're doing like um, the methods and the techniques that you said to get the mind to start to go into that sleep state. So you're doing these rotations of awareness through the body and guiding you into different states of feeling like hot and cold and these things that like, I, I mean, I've always written it down. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was cheating, but I, you're I totally not cheating. <laughs> I just, I can't write it down. Cause I think that would make me get lost. Yeah. Have to imagine and go with it. And I've never been able, or I guess I haven't really tried to teach that part of um, the journey where you actually go into the door and take like this long epic journey. Um, How do you come up with that? Like, do you know that there's going to be a theme? Like you're like, I want to guide you into the heart chakra or the throat chakra. Um, Or are you really just looking at, the people in the room and intuitively being guided by what they feel or they need? A bit of both. Okay. I usually have a theme and especially when I was starting to teach, I definitely had a theme Mm -hmm. and that anchored in everything else that I wanted to try to bring over time and experience. Now I feel into who's in the room or now on screen, wherever they may be. And I do start to receive information. And there are sometimes there's a, like a fast moving image part. And those images come and I'm like, I don't know what these are. And then almost every time someone will come up and say that image of like the pail of water, that was exactly perfect for this reason. And or it's something I saw just yesterday. And I always find that fascinating because to me, it's like we're sharing in consciousness And I'm just able to help bring what's already in the room into another place of awareness. Mm. And it's kind of my favorite part. Yeah. 
Gosh, that fast moving images. I forgot about those. It's like, you just like name off a bunch of images really quickly. And it's almost like before you get to like hone in on one image, the next one is already there. So you see them as these like flashes in your brain. Um, wow. That's so cool that they come to you that way, like organically. Um, okay. Before I geek out fully on you. <laughs> So yoga nidra is similar to like dream work where you're like really diving down into the subconscious and like pulling something back out into the consciousness, except you're just staying awake while you're doing it. Although there have been times when I've done it where I feel like I lost consciousness, but I didn't fully go to sleep, but I was just in this like floaty space. (laughs) Totally. Necessarily. I wasn't fully in my body, but I wasn't fully asleep. And I was just kind of like floating around in the liminal space, I guess. I'm a big fan of it's the exact right experience, no matter what. So that sounds great. And so does falling asleep. So whatever it is that you might need, it'll come and it'll be perfect. And sometimes you just really need to take a nap. Like, I don't know how many floors in India I was just fully <laughs> asleep on, but like jet rug was real. <laughs> yeah. Those were some of the few times I definitely fell asleep during that practice. <laughs> just like a random lawn somewhere in India <laughs> leaving. Um, so now you've incorporated this dream work into the plant medicine. Um, and you've launched this amazing series of ebooks um, in which you uh, journey, I guess, right, with these yes. with these plant allies. So, how does that work? How does that work? So, <laughs> the these came out of the that three year apprenticeship that I did. So, part of that apprenticeship was it was all guided by the plants. Mm -hmm. And what we were there for was to find our own medicine that we wanted to bring into the world. And for me, this came through a process of a few ceremonies, personal ceremonies. Uh, My medicine is writing, teaching, and healing. Mm -hmm. So these books are a way for me to incorporate those things Mm -hmm. and bring the plants to people in a way that feels accessible and in a way that might be different than you're used to. So each book focuses on one ally, one plant. The very first one was dandelion because dandelion is the plant that started everything for me. And each book takes you through a bit of personal experience and then talks about plant consciousness, what a plant spirit is, helps you to understand what we're already talking about that like going into different places and into different consciousnesses but this time it's with a plant instead of your own dream okay can we pause there for a moment yeah (laughs) this is like mind blown because this is you're bringing your herbal practice in and offering this healing but you don't actually have to use the plant, right? You don't have to ingest it. You don't have to make a tea. You don't have to have a tincture or flower essence or anything. Like you can go on this journey with the plant without being, without ingesting it at all. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And in a few ways, 
Yeah. Like I was just going to say, I've experienced this in your, in receiving Reiki sessions with you where the plant will come in and I will see it and you will see it. And it's just like, it's there working its magic, even though I, I have not adjusted it that day. Yes. They're very helpful. The plants in my experience, the plants want to help us. And the more we can work with them in all of these ways any ways of access it's like they're so happy to be there and help help clear out energy maybe if it's in a healing session or bring a different sort of feeling or a glow maybe to your heart and you're right sometimes I'll see someone completely covered with a certain plant and maybe it's one of their allies maybe it's one of mine maybe it's just needed for that moment but they come and they appear and they do some work and it's very helpful because they're doing the work. Yeah. It's like, it's literally an ally. Like it's supporting you. So in the books, you teach people how to tune in to that plant. So you're not teaching about that plant, really. You're not saying like, this is this plant and this is what it does for you. You're teaching how to connect with that plant and figure out how to have a relationship with it. To have a relationship with it, yes. And I do include some of the medicine that you might be used to, like uh, tincture or an infusion, and also the folklore that's associated with the plant, if there is any. I just wrote a book with Trillium, and it really feels like a co-creation with the plant, and there really isn't folklore about Trillium, so we wrote some. Oh, cool. And that felt great, and I felt very guided, and it's, to me, these Books are what the plants want to express mm. for whoever is going to read them. And it comes down to a foundation for you to build more of a relationship, maybe in other ways. I also include a little journey or yoga nidra at the end of each one so that if none of the other stuff has appealed to you or works, there's also that. Mm. And is there... Um, and there are many different ways, right? Like you could do journaling or meditations or dream work or any of that with a plant. Any of that. Yeah. And whatever feels right. So cool. I actually just remembered the question I was going to ask you. Yeah. Great. There it is. About the dream work. Um, and this applies to the, the dreaming with the plants as well, because I do feel like a lot of people say like, I don't have dreams but everybody has dreams, even if we don't remember them is, is my understanding. So if you are a person who doesn't feel like they remember their dreams, um, how could you do this work? Or do you have some like tools or tips for anyone out there who like really wants to start working with their dreams? Sure. Yeah. You're right. We do all dream and we're dreaming even while we're awake. So that's why you can go into these other places and ride that sort of line or wave. If it's the nighttime dream that people aren't remembering, there are a few ways that you can try to build a practice around remembering. Super simple one. Before you go to sleep, tell yourself, I will remember my dreams. You might repeat it a couple times. Uh, write down your dream in the morning. Even if it feels like it's nothing or a fragment or something that doesn't have much value to you, 
write it down anyway. If the goal is to strengthen the dream muscle, that dream memory muscle, then these are the ways that you do it. And minimizing what comes sort of puts it over to the side again. And then why, why bother remembering if you're going to discount it? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what I've heard before. Should you drink a big glass of water before you go to bed? <laughs> so you have to wake up and pee. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> I personally value my sleep a bit too much. <laughs> I don't think I've never tried that one because I just don't want to have to get up and pee. <laughs> Some people do because they want to interrupt that REM cycle, which is where we dream the most. Mm. That time of deep sleep is often where you're relaxed enough. It doesn't mean that's the only time you dream, but if you interrupt it, chances are you will remember. I see. If you don't write it down when you get up in the middle of the night to pee and go back to sleep, you might not remember by the time you wake up again. <laughs> so write it down right away. <laughs> um, do you have any herbal recommendations for dream work? Mugwort is the top ally for dream work. I, I just finished recording an audiobook about mugwort, so she's also present. Um, for centuries, mugwort has been the plant to help access those psychic worlds. And making a little pillow with mugwort or dream pillow with mugwort, putting her under your pillow is one way that you can do that simply. So speaking of allies for dreaming, do you have any allies that you've been using right now for like just support during this pandemic time just for like staying grounded or relaxed or like all of those things with so much collective energy swirling around on this cosmic roller coaster? <laughs> I do. They are my go-tos of nettles and oat straw. Mm. And sometimes dandelion, but mainly nettles and oat straw because they're so nourishing and supportive to your nervous system, your overall system. They're grounding and I need a lot of grounding because I'm always out in these dream worlds. So like, yeah, ground it back in and I find them very earthy, get lots of vitamins from them. And it's just sort of a, like a nice hug. Yeah. Do you drink them as a tea? I do. Yeah. Cool. I do. So what does, for the listeners, um, what is your daily self-care practices or maybe not things that you do every single day, but like, what would you say uh, are your most helpful practices weekly, <laughs> regularly um, that help assist you not only, like you said, with like grounding and nourishing, but just with your spiritual and your healing practice. Um, I've been the recipient of many of your Reiki sessions and your herbal stuff and your um, dream work. And we always go so deep and I always find something so, so valuable after our sessions. Um, so yeah. How do you, how do you keep up with that oh, in your first, day life? First, that's so sweet. Thank you. And, uh, I do have a daily practice. I have a daily yoga practice that I've had now for eight years. Wow. Every day. And to me, part of it, 
from a spiritual perspective is that I'm keeping a commitment to myself mm. every day. You promise. No matter what. Exactly. I promise. And when this started, I didn't put a limit on it. I just committed to every day. And sometimes it can be short. Maybe it's 15 minutes before, you know, at 11.45 before the clock strikes midnight and I turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> Gotta get on the mat. <laughs> but usually not. And it, it changes with what I need in the day. So that's my anchor. Mm-hmm. And from after that, I will touch in on some breath work sometimes. Dance is mm-hmm. actually really important to me. And I was a non-dancer. So it's another way that I've gotten into my body and have my spirit circulate and move energy around. Plus mm-hmm. it's fun and community and all those things. Yeah. So those are my main ones that I really, really put effort into and enjoy. Which is so funny because they're also like in the body and grounding. <laughs> and I thought you were going to say like, I go on this like dream, shamanic dream journey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do those too, but maybe not as often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, thank you so, so much for sitting down with me today um, and sharing a little bit about your story and your journey. Um, can you tell the listeners how to find you, how to find your books, what you got going on? Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. This has been really fun. And you can find me on my website, which is journeythroughyoga.com. I'm also on Facebook. Instagram is at heather.sanderson. And my ebooks are on Amazon Kindle as well. Yeah, so profesh. <laughs> I was like, you're so like, just like, you got your stuff out there. It looks so good. Definitely check it out, you guys. Heather's work is amazing. Um, and are you offering any dream workshops or anything like that coming up soon? I am actually. I am offering a What's in the Dream workshop. It's a two day workshop, uh, well, about an hour and a half each day. Cool. And it's September 12th and 13th. Okay, perfect. And you can sign up for your yoga classes and your dream workshops and all that on your website, right? Yes. And we yoga nidra every Tuesday night over the Zooms. So perfect. Anyone can come. Yes. We'll, we'll all be Zoom alooming. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom alooming straight through 2020. <laughs> All right, Heather, thank you so much for joining me. And for the listeners, stay tuned for the tarot forecast coming up in a moment. Okay, everyone, welcome to the second portion of the show. Thank you so much for being here, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Heather. And now we're going to move on to the tarot forecast for this upcoming new moon in Virgo and the two weeks that follow, which are the waxing moon period. <laughs> 
So if you're new to the podcast, I give these forecasts every new and full moon. And this is to celebrate these lunar cycles and the waxing and waning and ever-changing fluid divine feminine energy of the moon. Every month or every season, the moon is new when it's dark and you can't see it. And then it slowly grows and gets bigger and bigger in the sky until it is a full moon. And this is the peak phase. And then it wanes back down to new. And so this week we have a new moon in Virgo more nearing the end of Virgo season so as we know we had two new moons in Cancer over the summer and now instead of having the new moon at the beginning of the season we're celebrating the new moon at the end of the season which is a little bit different energy because we've been in this energy of the sun in Virgo now for almost three weeks so how have you been really embodying this energy. Virgo is an earth energy. It brings us into our hermit, into our intuition. I've really felt the need to go inward this season. I did a little unplug from social media. It felt so good just to really detox some of those external things that were getting in the way of really accessing some of my own intuitive um, hits and some of my own creativity and just needed that extra space to work on not only healing some old wounds, but also creating, creating new things. So I hope that you guys have been having a great Virgo season. Um, This new moon is really a chance to set intentions. If you feel like the last few weeks have been a little funky, they've been a little funky, right? Um, There's been a lot of deep introspection for me, but also just a lot of energy happening. We have Mars going retrograde. um, And so what I'm seeing for this week is uh well we'll just get right into it right but before i go into that i also wanted to let you know that i am having and every single month i have a new moon ceremony that's virtual via zoom so if you really want to learn more about the astrology of the new moon um, come we hold space for each other we set intentions i offer reiki i offer uh, tarot guidance we do some meditations or some breath work um, and some things that align with the virgo energy and the chakras and all of those good things. Okay. Um, you can sign up for that on my website. And another announcement I have is that the sacred wheel tarot course is now available for immediate download. And I developed it as an eight week course, but you can take it in as little or as much time as you'd like, because I'm offering it now for immediate download, meaning that you can purchase it on my website and you will get a Dropbox link to all of the videos at once. It's 
14 plus hours of video. I made a beautiful PDF workbook and I go through the ins and outs of tarot. Not only does the description of every single card, but also into some of the nuance and flow of how to read tarot, um, how to read spreads, how to read reversals, understanding masculine and feminine energy, understanding the elements, understanding the chakra system so that you can really look at the tarot through many different viewpoints. And then I go through some of the history of tarot. I look at the three lines of life, death, and rebirth of the major arcana, how that relates to the minor arcana. We go deep into the court cards, accessing your intuition, how to use a pendulum, the ritual, how to give readings, the whole thing, you guys. So go ahead over to my website. Um, There is a whole page that describes the course. And uh, yeah, check out the sacred wheel. And lastly, if you are in Nashville, I'm doing my first in-person event since February. So I'm really excited for the fall equinox, which we have coming up this month on the 22nd. And I'm going to do a socially distanced workshop outside. So it's a very limited number of people. Unfortunately, I can only fit so many in this outdoor space, but we are going to celebrate this beautiful day of the fall equinox, which is when the day and the night are in equal measure. And then it is a pivotal moment when we shift seasons from fall into winter. We enter the vata season, the air element, the fall. And um, in this workshop, we really work with this theme of balance. The sun is about to shift into Libra, right? Libra is the sign of balance. And we really play with how we can cultivate this internal balance with the external environment. And that is through movement and yoga and breath work um, and all the things. So if you're interested, again, sign up on my event page and do so early uh, because space is limited for this one. All right. Thank you guys for hanging in here with me. Let's jump right in to the new moon in Virgo forecast. So three positions in this spread, two cards for each position. First position is just the theme for this new moon. And I pulled the hanged man with welcome to the liminal space. And I'm going to tell you guys, I was a little taken aback by this. Um, I'm not shocked but I'm like, oh man, <laughs> more waiting around, right? The the hangman really asks us for surrender and welcome to the liminal space. Well, in this deck, uh, it is described as being in the waiting room of the universe, waiting for your number to be called. And so there is this aspect of feeling like things aren't moving forward, okay? And here we are, it's Mars retrograde, okay? So we're going to have to be patience. And, you know, with the hanged man, there's this beauty in surrender. There's this beauty in letting go of the struggle of trying to push and make shit happen and really being able to shift our perspective. If you imagine a man hanging upside down with a rope around his ankle, right? This is the image on the writer weight deck. And it's like he struggles and struggles to get free and the tighter and tighter the rope get the rope gets around his ankle. But the moment he stops struggling, he starts to see things 
from a different perspective. And this halo of enlightenment forms around his head. And he can see the opposite. He can see things from another view. And I think we all need to really do this right now because we've been so polarized. We've been so divided this way, that way, my way, your way, right way, wrong way. And we're forgetting that as this human species, we must release judgment and see the full picture and that what we believe to be right and true is not the only way to be right and true, right? And so the hanged man, it's like inversions in yoga, right? And when I was practicing and learning yoga in my teacher training, I remember my teacher always talking about Pradipaksha Bhavanam. And Pradipaksha Bhavanam is this um, Sanskrit saying that basically means that when things are difficult, we try the opposite right? So we literally try to invoke the very opposite perspective or the very opposite maybe emotion. And that the practice of inversions helps us to do that, right? Because you can be standing on your feet and receive an instruction, like tuck your tailbone towards your heels and immediately be able to, you know, figure that out. But when you're standing on your head and the teacher tells you to tuck your tailbone towards your heels, that's a whole different thing. And we literally have to change our proprioception of where our body is in space to be able to receive and take in that information. And that's what the hangman is asking us to do now is to really change our perspective, right? And look at things from a different way so that we can take in new information. And maybe there's an aspect here of surrender and letting go for you. Maybe in order to see clearly and have this enlightenment, you have to stop fighting against something and let go. What isn't working? What are you trying to push forward that isn't fucking working? Where are you trying the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results, right? That's the definition of insanity. We have to be able to pivot in some way sometimes, okay? And like, Maybe it's surrendering that dopamine hit from, you know, being addicted to the scroll. That's what I did this season for Virgo. I was like, okay, I have, I'm feeling this constant pressure to create content in order to be seen and valued, but that's not real. It's not real. It's self-imposed. And so I had to surrender that scroll in order to receive some deeper wisdom and creativity and look at, you know, my work from a different perspective by giving myself a little break from being a robotic creation, you know, like creating just like a robot, like pumping content out all the time. But that's not really what we're meant to do. We're meant to be productive, but then we're meant to go into states of rest, right? And recovery and creativity. And so the hangman with welcome to the liminal space is really inviting us to surrender. What can you surrender? What can you let go of? What can you try to shift and see from a different perspective? Okay. So the next position in the spread is what we are releasing. 
what are we letting go of now? As a collective, what are we ready to move through? And I can't be happier to see this. It is the high priestess in the reversed position with the card memory lane from postcards from the liminal space. And you guys, I have been in memory lane over the last few weeks so much, just random memories popping up into my mind, feelings of nostalgia, tons and tons of people coming up in my dreams and old scenarios coming up in my dreams, right? And it's like memory lane is this invitation to let go of some of the things that are like swirling in the drain of our minds and really release them. And the high priestess shows us what is hidden. And so like if you felt this sense of nostalgia or you've been kind of pulled towards memories of the past or you've been having these crazy dreams or crazy visions um, or maybe just felt yourself repeating old patterns and becoming more and more aware of them over these past few weeks, we are ready to let that go now. We are ready to not only let go of those memories, but we're ready to let go of the ideas, the beliefs, the habits and behaviors that are created from them. Okay, so we are shifting through some old bullshits and I am ready for it. I am ready to be released from memory lane and to create something new and fresh. Okay, so coming up in the third position, this is what we are stepping into, right? So as we release these outdated memories, beliefs, ways of being, patterns, then we are stepping into judgment, with close the portal. And you guys, here is judgment again. This theme was coming up over and over again during eclipse season this summer. We kept seeing it in cancer season and even into Leo season, this invitation into the heart chakra, this invitation into letting go of pettiness and judgment. And to really being able to recognize that our perspective is not the only one out there. And that even when we disagree with others, that it isn't our right to judge them. That there is a humanness within us all. That if you believe so strongly that your thoughts and ideas and ways of being are right, and somebody has an opposite viewpoint of you, that maybe they have their own past beliefs that that encourage them and have driven them towards the same and similar point of view, or at least their attachment to it. And this doesn't mean that we have to agree. This doesn't mean that we have to get along. This doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that we are ready to close the portal on pettiness and judgment towards others, and that we are ready to accept an invitation into more compassion into more vulnerability and into releasing criticisms, judgments, self-blame, shame, or blame and shame victimhood to others. And this feels really poignant because again, judgment was an energy that was coming up over and over again this summer and during eclipse season as a major lesson being learned. And now with close the portal, I feel like we are finally ready to close the portal, right? To, to shore this up and to move on. And it's very rare that I see in one reading, three major arcana cards. Okay. So we've got the hanged man, 
as the theme for this new moon. We've got the high priestess as what is being released. And we've got judgment as what energy we are stepping into. Okay, so three very major lessons here, right? The major arcana cards are the higher lessons, the soul lessons. The minor arcana cards are the ego lessons, the everyday stuff. If you want to learn more about the cards, again, check out my course, The Sacred Wheel. I go into the difference between the majors and the minors. But here for this new moon in Virgo, three big major lessons big and major shifts happening in the collective right now. Lots of major transits going on in astrology. So I'd really love to know how you guys are feeling, how you've been doing this Virgo season. If this resonates with you, shoot me a DM. It's Holly D. Ramey on Instagram. I'd love to hear how this Virgo season is going and if this reading has resonated with you. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will catch up with you for the upcoming full moon. Take care.